Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is April Pride. She is co-founder of The High Guide. She is also with the How to Do the Pot podcast. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that journey, how she's worked in the cannabis space, how she's landed on the podcast and the experiences she had to get her there, and just generally talking about cannabis and the cannabis industry. I'm excited about this. April has some really great experience and perspective, and I'm excited to uh, have the conversation and bring the information to the audience. So with that, April, welcome to the program. Hi, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So why don't we uh, learn a little bit about you and your background, talk about how you got into cannabis, and then we can kind of talk about the work that you're doing now and, and what you see happening in the industry. So what's the backstory? Tell us uh, kind of professionally what you've been doing and, and how cannabis came up. Well, I'm a designer by training, and I think the best description of my work is I'm a creative entrepreneur. I've launched now with The High Guide. This is my fifth company. I've sold two of them, one being the, my first company in cannabis, which is Vanderpop. And Vanderpop happened, maybe it was a happy accident, I guess. Um, <laughs> my, my former company, which was in fashion, one of my clients, I hadn't seen her in a few months. And the next time I saw her, she was the executive assistant to 
Brendan Kennedy, privateer. I'm based in Seattle, and obviously so is privateer. And she just said, you know, you should really consider this. There's nothing creative happening in cannabis. I see, you know, I see the decks and deals that come through to Brendan, and no one's creating anything for women, and certainly no one's creating anything with a designer's eye. Yeah. And as a creative who is also interested in financially supporting themselves, (laughs) there are not a lot of opportunities that come along where you think, this is really big on so many levels, right? There's so much freedom here because there are no rules. So you have the chance to make the rules for an emerging industry and break the rules, right? Because cannabis isn't legal everywhere. And yeah, it was just, it was a lot of green space, blue sky, however you want to phrase it. (laughs) And so that was really appealing to me because as a designer, you don't really like to have a lot of rules. And I was surprised to hear that people in New York and in, in LA hadn't jumped all over this. And so I did a little bit of digging and honestly, just basically overnight shifted my focus. She and I ended up going out to dinner and I knew the owners of the restaurant. They overheard our conversation and became my seed investors. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So that's the backstory. Yeah. And what were your experiences? Like what, as you got into cannabis and focus on the design side, like what were the opportunities? Where did you see kind of the ability to create new products, new services. Tell us about the kind of the development process that happened for you. Well, this was 2015, so (laughs) which was 50 years ago in cannabis, essentially. And I, again, I'm a designer by training. So the opportunity that I saw was to have great looking products to store, stash, and share cannabis without, or store, smoke, and share cannabis that would look like the other products that you would have in your closet or on your vanity. There seemed to be a disconnect between what anybody, a man or a woman, could choose to go along with their cannabis consumption and the other parts of their life. You know, I tell the story about dressed up to go out for the night. I grabbed the pipe that my husband had bought and looked down at my shoes and my handbag and said (laughs) the pipe had Lynch carved on one side and Marshawn Lynch's number on the other. And... (laughs) God bless him. I love the Hawks. Too bad yeah. about last night. But <laughs> but it just was really not speaking to me. You know, it didn't yeah. really complete the picture in the same way. So I'm like, huh, we're onto something here. And this is where not having a lot of data in 2015 when it came to cannabis and anyway, you know, probably sent me in the wrong direction. But again, happy accident. So I really focused on products. Well, about um I guess six months in, we launched January 2016. It was clear that by this point, we were focused on women. It didn't focus on women out of the gate in 2016, really focused on a consumer that, again, wanted their cannabis consumption to match the rest of their life. Within six weeks of launch, though, it was clear that we were speaking to women. And the reason they were connecting with what we were saying is they really didn't have another resource to have their questions answered. So about six months after launch... I was like, gosh, we have these great products. People really like them, but they're not buying a ton of them. They have a lot of questions about what goes inside. Yeah. And that is really what we need to focus on. We're still making our market here. Yeah. And capital rate, 2015, a woman raising money in cannabis. It was it was a long haul. So fortunately, by the end of 2016, an investor in Tokyo Smoke and I had a conversation and he connected Alan and I, who had already met once before, and then we decided to come together. And that was where Vanderpop got the money that they needed to continue to talking to women in a in a bigger way. And we shifted from from product. Yeah. 
And, and tell me, so I'm always curious about what you kind of learn in the process. So you, you mentioned the kind of the focus on women and, and products for women. What were the other kind of learnings or kind of realizations you had as you began to develop products, engage in the market, you know, work with customers? What did you learn I'm like, and how did that process play out? We started hosting these events called Session where anybody, women, men, could come and interact with the products. So we could see what are their questions, right? Is about how do I turn on this device? How Where does my mouth go? Yeah. I mean, the questions were very, very basic, right? And that's really, you watch people interact with the products and they'll pick one up, then they put it down and then they just start asking you what to buy in terms of weed, not the accessories, yeah. right? Yeah. So what do I put in this thing? Yeah, what do I put in this thing? And that's still the question that we get. So the High Guide, the company that I launched with Ellen Scanlon, February, March 2019, right after exited Vanderpop, is where Vanderpop sort of left off, right? We yeah. we didn't launch with product. We launched with nothing that's touching the plant or intended to touch the plant. We wanted to continue the conversation because that was the learning from Vanderpop. We're still not there, right? Yeah. We're still, again, creating, we're still engendering trust with our market. It. They're still mm-hmm. trying to figure out not only what to buy, but who should I buy it from and who should I be getting that information from to know what to buy. So I think the learning there was to continue to listen to your customer and don't, as a creative, don't create what you want or what you think they need. You have to always be listening to the consumer. And women are still telling us that they're confused, that they're scared. And that they feel like they can't really have a conversation about cannabis with everybody in their in their circles. Yeah, and presumably that's because of a stigma around cannabis, or you know, social social kind of concepts around cannabis, or what what is driving that that confusion or that fear of having these conversations. I think it depends on where you live. So when we launched the High Guide in early 2019, I really didn't want to talk about stigma. We talked about stigma a lot with Vanderpop, and I felt like we had moved beyond that um, mm-hmm. because I had been working, well, I'm based in Seattle, as I'd said. So the West Coast, I think we're beyond stigma in a lot of ways. And certainly working in Canada, I mean, Canadians grew up with their parents growing their own cannabis and consuming it at the, you know, rolling joints at the dinner table. I've heard that story a lot. There's much less stigma there. So it wasn't until a couple of months ago talking to brands on the East Coast that are serving women there still is stigma. It just depends on where you live. It doesn't feel like it here on the West Coast, and it doesn't certainly doesn't feel like it in Canada, but the East Coast, it's where we were before Washington yeah. became legal in 2014. Yeah. So I'm curious in terms of topics that you cover or conversations that you've been having in two kind of general areas. One is kind of this issue of brands. You know, I find that, you know, so much of the kind of cannabis industry has been driven by kind of cultivars and, and THC levels you know, has been kind of the main kind of criteria for selecting products. You know, as we move into more of a consumer market, kind of a broader market here, I'm kind of curious about how brands, branding and brands are, are playing a role in, you know, developing the market, kind of segment the market, you know, approaching the market. I'd be curious to know kind of what, how that conversation has played out for you or how you see brands and branding kind of playing a role in the future of cannabis. I feel like this is deja vu. <laughs> this is the conversation <laughs> we were having in Canada in 2017. Uh-huh. We were trying to tell you, LPs, you're going to need a brand. You're going to need a brand that consumers connect with, that has you know colors that are consistent, that has a name that they can remember. I mean, very, very basic. And certainly you wouldn't launch a CPG product without really considering the brand. And so yeah. as we are, as brands are looking 
to create brand loyalty, which is still lacking in cannabis, I think that part of that is the fact that, one, there's not a consistent brand message, and two, there are, cannabis brands aren't really tapping into channels that could help them get that message across in a clear way to the demographic that they're trying to serve. So with, you know, we launching the High Guide and our podcast, How to Do the Pot, was, again, really informed with where Vanderpop left off, which is making sure that women understand what to buy, why they should buy it, and the brands that they should buy it from because they're either founded by women so they understand what our unique challenges are Mm -hmm. and how the plant interacts with our body or because we want to make sure that in the end that this is an an industry that's built on equity, right? And so supporting brands with your dollars is really a way to do that right now. So, So as brands are trying to really establish brand loyalty, One of the things that we wanted to do with the podcast that we saw, I saw the real opportunity here was trust, right? The one thing that Vanderpop, we had a, um, we had a survey that was conducted in 2018 that was really a first of its kind. And one thing that was very, very clear is that women didn't feel like they had a resource, that they had a trusted source that they could go to. And if you look at the numbers for podcasting and the trust that's engendered between the host and the listener, 54% of podcast listeners are more likely to buy from a brand that they hear on a podcast because they already trust the host. So connecting those dots, it wasn't very difficult, right? So, and we found that like the, um, the messages that I get as the host, the comments that we get to the podcast, it's pretty clear that that channel is one that women are really, really connecting with. My kind of curiosity around that is what brands do you see you know, doing a, a good job or an interesting job and in kind of approaching, you know, approaching that, that, you know, actually executing on this well and creating a brand that connects with folks or, or connects with, you know, interesting segments of, you know, the cannabis user population. Anything of note that you've seen out there right now or, or are we still kind of in- infancy <laughs> across the board? Well, from October 2019 to October of this year, female women making cannabis purchases has increased by 10%, which is, which is more than the number of men that are consuming or purchasing cannabis. And the brands that women are connecting with are Foria, which is specific to a woman's needs. It's an, an, well, they have a lot of different products, but their infused weed lube is what they're really known for. Mm-hmm. The Felon and the Farmer, which is a California-based brand, and their mission is really based on um, social equity. That is connecting with women. Kokoko, which offers teas, infused honey, that's a brand that's obviously connecting with women. They understand the market that they're trying to serve, and they're connecting with them in genuine ways, like with Kokoko and Kokoko, which is a form factor that women really already connect with. They already drink tea. They already add honey to their tea. It's not a new form factor that they have to figure out, where do I screw the cart into, and is this the battery, and I don't understand, right? Or it's Foria, which is really answering is a solution to a problem that women have long had, which is increasing intimacy, learning yeah. how to relax in those moments. And then the felon and the farmer, women want to feel like they are helping to solve bigger societal problems in small ways, right? Every day we're trying to figure out how we can be a part of the solution. And the felon and the farmer really helps them actively do that. There are also categories of products, right, that are clearly over-indexed to women. Twice as many tinctures are sold to women than to men. Edibles go to women, are purchased more by women, and and topicals too, right? So 
I think that those three categories, you're serving women. And so how are you speaking to them? How are you reaching them? Audio is an, is an obvious way to make sure that women understand why your product stands out from all of the other tinctures, topicals, and edibles, which, you know, those markets are becoming oversaturated in every single state. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel like this is about kind of the qualities of the brand, the aspirations, kind of the, the bigger picture, or is it about kind of form factor, product type, product category, you know, mode of, of application innovation that's happening or, or, or both? Well, I don't think that it's a surprise that the most discreet, easy to use, and, and, and colorful packaging products are what women are responding to. So going back to Vanderpop, our ethos was it needs to look like other parts of their life because this is not necessarily a part of their life. And so for them to make two leaps, this doesn't look like something, or I don't connect with this because of how it looks. You know, we're basic creatures. Packaging, branding, it goes a long way. So to serve them something that they both don't understand and they don't connect with on a pretty basic level is not going to serve serve brands. So to answer your question, I think form factor is huge because they need to be able to use it, understand it. Tinctures are something that women have been using in homeopathy, obviously, for a very long time. Edibles, people have had edibles with mixed results. So yeah. <laughs> I think the microdosed and clearly labeled packaging that we see in the legal market now is has changed people's perception of what edibles can deliver. And um, and topicals, frankly, CBD topicals, hemp drive CBD topicals are the gateway. <laughs> I yeah. you know to use a, to use a phrase that we're all <laughs> to familiar recapture with. a phrase. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, to to both THC and to other form factors. So yeah. I'm curious where, in terms of where you see the future in terms of products and product development, is this, do you think that we're going to continue to have kind of cannabis products or do you think you're going to have products which include cannabis as one of many, you know, botanicals or formula elements of formulation that are going to create these new products? And I'm always curious is, you know, how, how is this marketing going to play out and how sort of cannabis THC focus is going to be, or, or are we going to see kind of a more broader you know, plant-based medicine, plant-based products that, that happen to include cannabis or, or, or a CBD or, you know, other molecules. How do you see this playing out? Well, I think that there, there will be market segmentation and it's all going to be related to consumer education. You know, why am I going to spend more for a product that contains both THC and CBN for sleep? You know, if consumer doesn't understand what CBN is, I don't necessarily know that you need to have that in your product yet. And that's where I think the industry really gets ahead of the consumer. They're still trying to figure out if CBD is going to get them high. So to then add CBN to a product, they're just going to get confused if it's, isn't that what CBD is, right? So that we will have consumers that are really focused on the wellness aspect of this plant and other plants that can offer a more robust entourage effect, right? And there are brands that are delivering on that today. I just don't know that the consumer is there quite yet. Not enough in in mass that will move the needle for some of these product categories, but we will get there. You know, with Vanderpop, I laughed. I'm like, I've got these beautiful, not large, but largish stash bags or these great jars. I'm going to be designing pill boxes, right? That's where I really felt four years ago where the industry was going in terms of products because... People just wanted something, form factor, that they were already doing, which put a pill in your mouth, swallow it, we're done. 
But of course, now that I am more educated and I understand the importance and the efficacy of whole plant medicine, I hope that's not the case, right? I definitely see a need for isolated compounds when it comes to certain conditions. But I think on average, the consumer really needs to understand the importance of the entourage effect and more plant-based medicine in formulations is going to deliver a better effect and a better outcome. So it will get there, but we, again, we're still educating the consumer and we're still proving the claims that are being made about some of these cannabinoids and formulations. Yeah. But, and, and where, I mean, I know we're still, you know, kind of uh, in this research phase or, you know, starting to able, able to do more research around some of these, you know, molecules and understanding how they, you know, what the impact is and effectiveness and, you know, outcomes are, where do you see research going or where do you think the focus of the research should be, you know, in understanding cannabis and how it, you know, its, its effectiveness and its use? Well, one of the things that we say in terms of the importance of delivering information through audio is stories change hearts and minds, right? So, To hear a woman talk about how sleep, stress, intimacy have been improved by cannabis, you know, sometimes those anecdotal stories, well, actually, (laughs) up until now, those anecdotes were telling them. And that might get us through 2021, but larger companies, particularly in Canada, right, that are Mm well-funded, they are starting to, to invest in research that will give us some answers so that women feel more confident, that all consumers feel more confident about what they're investing in. You know, there's this dirty little secret, THC doesn't cost more than CBD and vice versa. And there's, you know, if you go into um, a cannabis store and you buy a 20 to 1 tincture, it's going to cost more than if you buy a 100 milligram tincture that's hemp derived because cannabis brands are, oh, it's THC, it costs more. So I think also just, again, consumers educating themselves and understanding when they need to have something from a dispensary and when they can get away with something that, you know, may cost less and is easier to purchase too, is going to be all about the research that comes out from companies that hopefully see it as the opportunity to pay it forward. I'm curious on your take on this, sort of the separation of the markets on the U.S. side here, (laughs) you know, the medical, sort of the medical market versus the adult use recreational market do you do you i guess do you feel it's helped the industry has it hurt the industry what have you noticed and how you know how this market has developed given the fact that we've had these kind of two classes of use well i guess people that have been fighting for decades to keep this plant in society's consciousness and to fight to have it legalized for medical patients, you know, starting there was, that was a a long haul, right? And so then adult use comes in and in many markets wipes out the medical market and patients, they're not getting the products that they need at the doses that they need. And then what I saw in in Canada was they already had an established medical market. It was federally legal Canada for medical patients since 2001. And then as we approached adult use becoming legal, it wasn't the same thing that was happening because of just how medical patients, the distribution of cannabis to medical patients, that was still going to thrive. But you saw this in terms of how we talk to consumers and how we positioned the plant. You saw a merging of the two. Brands, it started to click, oh, this is a wellness product. That's going to be how consumers start to feel confident about choosing cannabis over their sleeping pill, how they feel confident about choosing cannabis over alcohol, right? So we're going we're gonna to position this as a wellness product. What that's done as really 
whitewashed a lot of the language that has been used traditionally around cannabis using more sterile terms, calling it cannabis for one, which is fine, right? That helps, I think, bring anything that you can attach medical terms or more Yeah, terms that are less rooted in, I guess, straight language, if that's what we want to say, definitely makes you feel better about ingesting it as a wellness product. Uh Um, So I think that those two parts of the medical and the adult use, really now cannabis is seen as a wellness product, so it can serve a lot of needs, not just something that a condition that's been diagnosed by a doctor, but women really have to take their health into their own hands and women of color really have no choice. And so cannabis has allowed all women for generations, for hundreds and thousands of years to be able to manage their own health care. And that is what I think consumers now are starting to realize. This is a wellness product, really, not just because brands feel comfortable talking about it that way, But I really do see an opportunity here to reduce my prescription medications, to adopt a California sober lifestyle. And so that's what's, I think, happening overall is we don't have adult use. We don't have medical. We have cannabis, which is a wellness product. And of course, they're, you know, who doesn't like to just get high, right? That's all good, too. But (laughs) brands, really, they need to, uh, well, I think the reason it really became a wellness product in Canada was because the language that you can use to talk about your product changed drastically after October 17th, 2018. And that is is where we are right now in America. We have this golden period where we can talk about weed any way we want. There are no restrictions. And again, this this informed the decision to launch a podcast because audio is like a side door for Canadian brands to talk about weed. So I'm in the U.S., airwaves travel over borders. I can talk about a Canadian product all I want. I can, you know, or there are Canadian LPs that own stakes or they have distribution rights for American brands. I think of Apothecana, for instance. And so Apothecana can advertise on how to do the pot. We have 10% of our listeners are in Canada they're going to hear about Apothecana. Oh yeah, that just launched here. And we can talk about it in ways that if you're in Canada advertising, you can't. Yeah. Is that something that, was that a a strategic insight that led to the creation of the podcast or was that something that came out of the process? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't launch with product. I didn't launch with anything that touched the plant because we're just, again, I don't think from an investor standpoint and from, well, it just takes a lot of money to be able to ride out consumer confidence and legalization, decriminalization here. And so how do you continue to connect with your consumer and build loyalty and trust without a weed product and and continue to serve a market that I was really connected with in Canada and wanted to continue to serve those women? I learned a lot from them and they still need a trusted source. So audio was just, it was really obvious that this is what we needed to do. I mean, untapped advertising channel, to say the least, right? You see the options for cannabis brands. I mean, they're restricted with digital advertising. Out of home is expensive. Your Instagram gets shut down. And so audio just seemed to me, I'm a business partner, like an obvious way to continue to tell these stories that we knew would change women's hearts and minds to more people when, you know, leading up to legalization and after legalization, I traveled throughout Canada We'd host these events, Women in Weed, and there are hundreds of women would show up, right? And we would be able to talk to 600 women in one room one day. It was amazing. Well, we can serve thousands of women on the airwaves and make sure that those stories get out. And P.S., event marketing, 
experiential marketing, huge mm-hmm. in cannabis and completely shut down at the beginning of 2020, right? Yeah, yeah, so, such a shift. Yeah. Such a shift, right. And so how do you still continue to connect with those women and and paint pictures of how cannabis can can create, yeah, can create more well-being in their life. And again, audio allows us to do that on a large yeah. scale. Yeah, I'm curious as you, you know, we just finished this election in the U.S. or kind of finished, <laughs> so we're not quite sure. Still kind of going on at some level, but, you know, several states passed, uh, you know, ballot initiatives you know, expanding, you know, some of the market here. You know, there's lots of chatter about potentially a, a federal decriminalization or a, a descheduling of cannabis. I, mean, I guess what's your what's your view? What's your hope? How do you think this is going to change the game uh, for the cannabis market as these things start to play out? Well, we don't have 50%. It's not mainstream yet. Cannabis isn't quite mainstream. Audio is mainstream now. We have 50% of Americans now listening to a podcast, but we don't have 50% of Americans with access to cannabis, to access to legal cannabis, but we're getting there. And certainly this election, legalization is going to help this go mainstream. I mean, it just, talk about confidence (laughs) when you're Fellow citizens have said, this is something that I want and I believe that mm-hmm. patients should have access to and that Americans and consumers should have access to. You start to go, huh, okay, so what's this about? So I think that we're we're getting closer. Obviously, this election was a big part of that. And I, as I said, it depends regionally in terms of how people perceive cannabis. But I am concerned that, you know, is it going to be decriminalized? Is it going to be legalized? What does that mean? Does it become rescheduled? Is it Schedule 2? Does that mean pharmaceutical companies are going to manage the distribution? I mean, there are a lot of questions here still, Bruce, and I don't think that we really know how it's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah, I know all the all the strategic planning that I do with, with my cannabis clients. It's there's several <laughs> possible outcomes of these questions, and, and then how the states are going to react. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't imagine that some of these states are not going to put up some barriers after they've you know invested in developing their state markets. That New Jersey is going to let Humboldt County weed, you know, just flood into the market. Right? They're they're going to protect their growers and and their system to some extent. So. Yeah, it's going to be a complicated one, I'm I'm sure, but it'd be fascinating. Curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, and I mean, again, that's the reason to not launch a product that's plant-touching quite yet while we figure out where things are going, but still trying to cultivate our audience and create brand loyalty for the brands that we serve as advertisers. That's great. April, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the podcast, what's the best way to get that information? So the High Guide is the home of How to Do the Pot podcast, and you can find us at dothepot.com. Yeah, online, and you can find How to Do the Pot wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll make sure that there's links in the show notes here for people to get that information. April, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.